Do you think you may have a problem with your alcohol consumption or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting and want to know what all the sober hype is about? Whatever the reason, I'm so grateful you're here with me today. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and host of Sober Gratitudes. I once was an active alcoholic, and after decades of failed attempts to control my drinking, I finally reached out for help. Letting others help me is why I'm here today, living a life I never thought possible. The suffering of my past was the catalyst I needed to find recovery and be receptive to healing. I created this podcast out of the desire to recover out loud and, with the help of my guests, show you how a better life is possible after addiction. Whether you have been here before or you are a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. Together, we can help those in need. You can also reach me at sobergratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. Thank you again for dropping in today, and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Sober Gratitudes is a podcast dedicated to spreading the hope in recovery from addiction. It is an inclusive show that does not promote or represent any recovery program. When my guests and I discuss what keeps us sober, we are referring to our own unique experiences. Our goal is to encourage and give hope to those who are struggling and need support. Sober Gratitudes podcast is proud to come together and partner with Valor Fitness Clothing in our mutual mission to support and encourage the recovering community. Based in Los Angeles and inspired by real recovery, Valor Fitness lives up to its mission. With one item sold, Valor Fitness donates one item to a homeless shelter or transitional rehab facility. Because Valor Fitness Clothing supports Sober Gratitudes mission, everyone can receive a discount when shopping. Use the code GRATITUDE20 at checkout. Also, every guest on my podcast will be graciously given a gift certificate from Valor. We're stronger together when we come together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah, and I'm so thrilled you're back today for an episode with somebody. I know the past couple of episodes, it's just been me, and some of you may be a little anxious to see where, what the heck, where are the guests, where are they? Um, and today I have a really special man on, a sober man and a cancer-free man, a cancer warrior um, with us today. His name is Michael. I met him on Instagram. Um, in his bio, he refers to himself as a superhero coach, gratitude gang leader, cancer warrior, artist, happiness activist. He's a dad and pop, aka grandpa, to mm. little Lily and Josie. I, first of all, I can't believe you're a grandfather. You do not look <laughs> old enough to be a grandfather. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. But welcome to Summer Gratitude. It's so great to well, have thank you on. You. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, participate. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, this is great. So tell us about, explain to us what, um, everything about the, what I just sure. read on your bio. So first and foremost, superhero coach, I am a life coach and the way, um, kind of a fun way to put it is I'm a superhero coach where I help people access and activate their own personal power so they can go out and lead a heroic life. 
you know, an heroic life might look like just being sober. You know, it might be helping another alcoholic, another drug addict. It might be, you know, coaching kids soccer. It might be climbing a mountain, writing a book, you know, starting a nonprofit, bringing water to a third world country, whatever it might be. It's just leading really your best life. And I look at it like just in, just like in recovery, you know, to believe in a power greater than ourselves, like that power is within us as well. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of talk about being powerless, obviously, you know, but that's over the, the first drink. Um, I believe that we have a power within us that when we're aligned with, you know, the higher power that we can accomplish anything. Um, so that's just kind of my take on that. And then, of course, the Gratitude Gang Leader I have on Facebook and Instagram. I have something called Gratitude Gang where I post people's photos or videos and three things that they're grateful for. And what that does for me is it helps me stay in a state of gratitude a lot. And that gratitude gang really helped me throughout my cancer journey, which um, certainly is probably never ending, but um, I was declared cancer free in September. And then recently I just had more scans to, to show that I was cancer free. And I'll probably talk about that a little bit more. Um, and then what else? Um, oh, happiness activist. I believe that I'm you know, here to kind of spread happiness wherever I go. Uh, I am an artist in a way that I've done a lot of acting and uh, just like you, and um, writing. So I'm writing a book right now and I've written some, written quite a, like different inspirational stuff and written a couple of plays and things like that. And then, yeah, I'm a dad to three grown daughters that are 28, 30 and 32. And my oldest daughter has two daughters. So I'm surra surrounded by women. Um, and so my oldest daughter, Jordan, has little Lily and um, uh, Josie. And then my youngest daughter, who's married recently last year, is pregnant with my third grandchild. Mm. So exciting news. So congratulations, yeah, I Grandpa. <laughs> I'll tell you, too, my um, sobriety date is um, uh, May 16th, 2018. This time around. I've had this. It's not my first rodeo, but. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but one day at a time, hopefully it'll last, you know? Well, I, well my first question is this what what was different what has been different about this rodeo yeah so i would say um uh, interestingly enough you know when i i'll just kind of go back to the first time um you know I, i've had a relationship with alcohol and drugs you know different kinds of relationships over the years and you know i mean i quit back in the 90s when i was young and just was a more of a, a dry drunk i guess you know because i didn't have a 12-step program or anything to help me recover so um you know i replaced probably alcohol and drugs probably with probably with work and sex more than anything else so still filling a void um and then in 2005 january 2005 i owned a bar in hartford connecticut at the time not the best business for an alcoholic and a drug addict <laughs> so i circled the drain pretty quickly in that business um you know, had some fun too. You know, I'm not, I'm not the guy that's going to tell you here that, you know, my um, best day drinking is, uh, was worse than my worst day sober or whatever. You know, I mean, I had, you know, and I, there were times when I, you know, was able to, um, you know, enjoy moments or whatever, but uh, can, can I, I really have to look at it that way for me. And, um, you know, it's fun until it's not, you know. So I got sober in January 2005 and I was really on a pink cloud, you know, for like, over four years, really involved in AA. Um, but I didn't really do the steps. I thought I was doing the steps. You know, I went to my home group with a 12 and 12 step meeting. So 
Um, and I had a sponsor who was amazing and, you know, saved my life at that time. I needed saving. Some great things happened during those five years too. I was able to get a lot of relationships back. I was able to, um, I was also able to get some health back. One, not only am I a cancer survivor, I'm also a hepatitis C survivor. So, um, and you hear that in recovery, a lot of, whether they're needle users or, you know, other things. Um, I happen to be a hemophiliac, which is a bleeding disease yeah. um, that's hereditary. And that's one thing for me to kind of like set me apart as a kid. You know, I couldn't play sports and my friends were playing. I couldn't do a lot of things. I rebelled against that. So I was always getting hurt because I was doing, I was crazy. Um, and so I had a lot of blood transfusions in the 60s and 70s. So that's how I got hep C. So when I was sober in 2006, I went on interferon and ribavirin for a year, which was the, the medicine for the hep C to get rid of it um, because it was killing me. It was like a 30, it's a, like a 25, 30 year disease where it affects your liver and everything. And I was deteriorating health wise. I didn't really know why. So um, that time, uh, so I was able to get through that year, which was like being on a low grade chemo. It's like I had the flu for a year straight. It was, oh. it was not much fun. But I did make it through. Um, so there were a lot, like I said, I was sober when my mother died in 2008 as well. So that's a real blessing. Um, and then when I drank again in like 2009, I don't even recall what the reason was, but I will tell you that I immediately, you talk about the progression of the disease. I mean, immediately, you know, I remember visiting my daughter in North Carolina in college. And, uh, you know, nobody knew I was drinking, but I, I remember going out after, you know, visiting with her at a hotel room. I went out and, and I just started drinking again. And I woke up in a hotel that wasn't even the hotel that I had <laughs> checked into. So oops. that's how, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I moved to New York City to pursue my acting career. But I was, I was doing, when I lived in Connecticut, I was doing more acting than when I moved to New York City because I was drinking again. And my car got towed, I think, the first week I was there just because I was in a no parking zone. And I was like, eh, keep the car. You know, I'm never going to need it again. That's how, like, crazy it gets. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, I'm living on a third floor of an Irish bar and bartending in the bar, okay. you know, instead of doing auditions and stuff. So, um, so from 2009 to 2018, you know, there were a lot of ups and downs. You know, there were times when I was, like, sober, but I wasn't doing recovery. Um, there were times when, uh, you know, I thought I had it under control, um, but, but I, I, in my heart, I knew that I didn't, you know, and I, I think what kept me away from AA in a way was like, you know, I knew what it was going to take this time. I knew it was going to take more work and more, you know, more surrender, and yeah. I just wasn't ready, and it wasn't any bit, one big thing. I'd gone to a wedding um, and, you know, drank quite a bit and then got in my car, did like 140 miles an hour on the highway to a drug dealer, you know, and here I am at the time, you know, over 50 years old. And uh, it just hit me the next morning where I was like, I should be dead, you know, and yeah. I had this just moment of surrender. It was just a moment of clarity that I needed to, to, to get some help. Now, the cool thing is the people in AA are saving you a seat, you know, so I had a lot of friends. So they all, my nickname was Mad Dog because I used to own a bar called Mad Dog. So when I came to AA in 2005, I came from owning my bar, Mad Dogs. So everybody in AA called me Mad Dog. So when I walked into a meeting in 2018, they were like, oh my God, Mad Dog, we've been saving you a seat. So, uh, all, you know, right away the support was there. So I got to see a lot of my old friends that never gave up on me, you know, and they had all been praying for me. So, um, 
I immediately got uh, a sponsor that was not going to like put up with the BS, you know, not my manipulation, just the way that I had kind of conditioned myself to live, you know, and the way that I can, the way that I needed to live to survive, which as an addict and an alcoholic, you know, I did anything to, um, you know, to be able to sustain that lifestyle, you know, um, whether, and I did, and I'll tell you this too, um, in those years, I did things that I never thought I would do, you know, all those yets, they came true, you know, okay. I took drugs that I never thought I would take, I ended up in places I never thought I would be, I took things from people, you know, not just their time and their their peace of mind and stuff like that. I took things from people that I thought I would never do something like that. No, not, not me, you know? Right. Um, but if I'm gonna tell my story straight to you, you know, that's, that's the truth of it. So um, anyway, I got a sponsor and uh, you know, we started going through the steps, like, like in the big book, you know, and I'm, I gotta talk about that because that's, that's my story. And uh, that's what really saved me, you know? People that were, you know, gonna love me until I could love myself and, you know, uh, but at the same time, like, you know, I surrounded myself with men. I started going to a men's meeting. My home group mm-hmm. became a men's meeting, more about alcoholism, and men's meeting. And mm-hmm. I mean, back in the day, I just would have, you know, if I had a dress, I would have been going to women's meetings, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like how sick I right. was. So, yeah. um, uh, I understand. you know, that was the thing for me, you know what I mean? So um, I had to kind of like really get, get through that. So yeah. I guess the, so, um, long answer to a short question is um, the difference is that I knew it was a life or death situation and I possibly didn't have another chance and the way to stay sober was to um, you know it's like one sponsor said to me you know your your dilemma is a lack of power right which is in the big book so the solution is to get more power how do I get more power by aligning myself to a higher power so for me you know, my spiritual fitness on a daily basis, um, which is through a lot of different means, prayer, meditation, obviously, but also helping the next person, being of service, gratitude, um, even eating well and being physically, um, you know, fit, you know, being physically fit, all of those things um, are the way that I align myself with my power. So uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's really the answer for you. There's obviously more to it, but. Well, I mean, it's amazing because you know, what I, I, I like to talk about um, with my guest for the listeners is that everyone's bottom or final rodeo or, you know, last go around it, it all or first time winners, you know, it all looks mm-hmm. different. You know, we, we don't have to, it, our bottoms don't all have to look the same yeah. in order to qualify as yeah. a person um, who define, who, who considers himself um an alcoholic for who sure cannot, an alcoholic as a means of who cannot push that stop button who cannot c- turn off the faucet you know like yeah. I, I will say that i i was never able to just have one drink you know and so my bottom looks you know when i think about mine if looks very different than yours but i could identify with so much of what you said you know like um just you know it's just not it's it's and that's that's something i like to get across to the listeners is that we we're all very different like our stories are very different but then and we don't have to look all the same in order mm. to be um a person with a problem with, yeah. the with, solution is the same though too which is cool yeah 
Yeah. In AA. And we're not promoting it. And I will, you know, the disclosure, I like to say that, you know, this is a sobriety and a recovery podcast. We we promote sobriety. Mm -hmm. We promote recovery. Um, We we talk about the program that works for us, but in a way that we're just having a conversation, it's in no way trying to promote it. Like come to the other side, you know, it's like. (laughs) For sure. For sure. There's there's um, other ways for people if they, whatever works for them to stay sober, that's great. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely just my experience. Yeah. So um, you're a happy guy and I, and yeah, and it, and it shows just talking to you in your face and also it shows in your Instagram accounts and your little videos, Mm -hmm. which are so great. I love the one. I'm just going to tell you, I love the one of you walking through the hospital, I think, or or an airport and you're like, I'm cancer free. I'm cancer free. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, and I'm like, is right he, I don't think he's talking to anyone. Is he talking to anyone? Or he's just like shouting. I'm like, That's no, awesome. I was just like, I'm doing a selfie, you know, because I was like so thrilled. I mean, I, the, and, you know, hopefully I can talk about that with your listeners. Yeah. Um, but when I was, uh, came out of the doctor's office, I was just, um, yeah, I was just beside myself. I was just so excited. So I'm like, it's a free. Yeah. That's right. Get a free. So, you know, I want everybody to, to then I kind of felt bad. Like some people are probably like on their last leg, you know, but, um, but, you know, I just wanted to, you know, partly about sharing the joy with other people. Yeah. And also, you know, um, I guess, you can I talk about my cancer journey a little bit? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, so that was my next question, because I was curious uh, to know when it showed up for you, what point of your sure, sure. journey so, and it's writing. Or- yeah, so it's kind of a crazy story, you know. Um, I don't, I, you know, I believe that God has a plan um, for most of us, at least for me anyway, my experience. So um, about a year in plus into my recovery um a little over a year i was doing you know i was doing really well you know just putting recovery first and, and this is um, your this is your current like from yeah, 2019. My current, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah so um so this was in 2019 now i, I will go back a little bit just because i think this is important um in 2019 in january 2019 you know i was less than a year sober um I was uh, at the time personal trainer, boxing coach, MMA coach, and uh, um, I got involved with one of my clients. And what happened was one of my buddies from AA worked with me. And Super Bowl Sunday, another another friend, he's like, hey, you know, Mike, you know, stop by, you know, come say hello or whatever. So I stopped by his house and my sponsor and four of my buddies were all there. And it was like a mini intervention before. Now I wasn't drinking, I wasn't using, but they saw that my behaviors, you know, I was with a, you know, a woman who quite honestly, you know, and I'm not proud of this, but it's the fact like, and she's what my daughter's age, you know, and she was a client and I was, you know, like showing up late or not showing up to a meeting that I was supposed to be at, things like that. And this, it's really important, I feel, to get support of you know men or women and you know if you're a woman get support of women man get support of men in your life they're going to call you out and back in the day i would have just like been defensive and manipulated the situation but i immediately ended the relationship because that was it was just again feeling a uh, still whole even though i was working on my spiritual fitness i was still like filling it a little bit with something that was making me feel good mm-hmm. that wasn't in a spiritual sense so but the first time in my life, you know, I like took a vow of celibacy just to really work on myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, so I, just, a, it's important I, to talk just, about. I just want to interject real quick, yeah. just so to because this hasn't been discussed on my podcast mm-hmm. ever, really, this particular 
issue, um, which is very prevalent, I feel, yeah. in across the board in, in terms of getting sober, um, we switch addictions, if you will, yes. right? Like after, and so um, the sex addiction, or just like if it, just find seeking out, you know, that kind of um, behavior that that re those relationships to avoid mm -hmm. the work that we need to do in the twelve steps, you know that. To, for you to have had people who love you enough, who cared enough that's about I mean. you to, yeah. to sit you down and say, listen, you know, this is what we're saying. That, that's incredible because there's a lot of people yeah. who don't have that. They don't, like right. they're in secrecy. They're doing this, what, you know, we call it the 13th step, you know, yeah, and, exactly. yeah. you know, and, and women, young women in, in, in and one young men who are new yeah. in, in the program can be, and this is the reality, can, there's on this pink high, this pink cloud, and yeah. they're getting attention, they they're getting love, yeah. right? And you get, you're filling that hole, that empty hole yeah, that sure. we've talked sure. a lot about on this, on this, mm -hmm. on this podcast is that a lot of addiction has to do with filling this empty hole that we, that yeah. loneliness and lack of love, needing love. And for you to share about that, I just, I want to thank you. And I want to just yeah. say that it's so brave and courageous of you to share that because it's something that's not discussed really yeah. at all or enough yes. um, because it Thank is, you. it can be used as a way. And it's, again, it's like, like I'd like to speak to, of it is not to be like to shame you or anyone else no. Yeah. because um, you know, it, the thing, the reasons why we have addiction or we get into addiction and we like rely on our, on our drug of choice, whatever it might be mm -hmm. is for me, my experience was a way to avoid dealing with what I needed to avoid, I needed to deal with. Deal with, yeah. In order to stop yeah. those behaviors, you For know, sure. the addiction. So, yeah, so yes, I just, exactly. so go on, I interrupted. That's, exactly, that's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I will be clear, she wasn't in recovery, if any, but this is the other, she was a blackout drunk. And so it's like, I also wanted to save her too, you know, oh, um, yeah. which okay. is not my yep. job, you know. Yeah, um, yep. You know, so it, was, it wasn't her fault in any way. So I ended it and, um, you know, just really, again, started focusing on myself, you know. And I know there's things like, oh, you shouldn't be in a relationship until a year. I, I don't think there's a magic number. I believe it's the work that you do. Um, you know, I've seen people get into relationships before a year and they're happily married now, you know, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but this is, it's a personal thing. So mm -hmm. anyway, so from there, I really started again, focusing again on my step work again. Um, you know, getting through the fifth step, sixth, seventh, eighth. Um, once I really got into like the eighth and ninth step, things really started to change for me. And uh, in a little after a year of sobriety, I got to California for a personal development workshop. And when I went out there, I fell in love with San Diego. Um, so I was again, living in Connecticut and I decided I was gonna move out there. You know, my kids are older. I've been happily divorced for you know, 28 years. I have a great ex-wife and a great stepdad to my children who, you know, I love both of them dearly and they love me. And, um, you know, we've been, to, you know, they've, they've had a step new a stepdad for 22 years who's been amazing to my children. So, you know, my kids are older. I was very, you know, I didn't have anything holding me back home in Connecticut. So, um, so I talked to my sponsor, you know, talked to my, all my A crew and stuff and, um, you know, went out to, California moved immediately to San Diego by July of 2019. So like a month later after I came back from that workshop, packed up my things and just took off. So I was going to build my life coaching practice out there and my um, personal training. I, I have a seminar called the Super Women Survival Seminar where I help women 
um, through empowerment and through self-defense. Um, I teach that with a woman coach out in California when I was out there. So, you know, just got into all of that stuff. Um, anyway, the first weekend that, uh, the second weekend I was there, I went swimming in the Pacific for the first time. So, um, I've had a lot of crazy experiences, you know, nine broken bones, almost lost my leg in a martial arts accident, uh, um, in and out of hospitals my whole life. So this is not a surprise to like my family and friends. So I go swimming the first time and I get stung by a stingray. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yeah. So, um, it's really painful by the way. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the stingray caused some internal bleeding and because I'm a hemophiliac, I ended up at the hospital. Yeah. Now at the hospital, they were doing an exam and they found some, um, they found some swollen lymph nodes and from the swollen lymph nodes, they, um, you know, decided, they said, Hey, you got to get this checked out. So I left the hospital. I wasn't really thinking it was a big deal or anything, but um, the swollen lymph node was under my left armpit. And I noticed that it was starting to get larger and swell and stuff. So um, I eventually got it checked out, I think in September of 2019. And then, through a bunch of tests and everything, the day before my birthday, October 15th, I ended up, um, well, they had done a um, uh, CAT scans and the doctor called me and said, hey, it's not what we had hoped. And I'm like, well, what's going on? You know, so October 15th, they told me that I had cancer and it was lymphoma. Yeah. So that was the day before my 53rd birthday. No, 54, it was the day before my 54th birthday. And um, so, then they did a bunch of other tests. And then I t November 15th, I went to the hospital again to get my treatment plan for lymphoma. But when I got there, the nurse, or I'm sorry, the doctor sat down and I'll never forget because she was like very close to me and she like put her hand on my leg. And I was like, what's going on here? You know, like what kind of bedside manner is like, this is a little strange, but she was like, I felt like real concern and compassion in her eyes, you know? And she's like, it's not, it's actually not lymphoma, Michael. You know, we, we did the biopsy. And it came back and it's actually advanced metastatic melanoma, oh, which is like, isn't that skin cancer? You know, what's the big deal? I hear skin cancer is not a big deal, but once it's in the bloodstream, it is a big deal. It's like a death sentence for a lot of people. Okay. Um, you know, I think even with the new treatments, only 15 to 20% make it like past a year, you know? So um, I remember, you know, just, I was devastated, but at the same time I was optimistic. And the, the biggest, most important thing is I was sober. Yeah. And if I hadn't been sober during this experience, I know for sure that I would not be here talking to you today. So mm -hmm. um, what happened was I, they have new treatments called immunotherapy because regular chemo and radiation doesn't really work on advanced metastatic melanoma. So I had one infusion of immunotherapy the last week of, uh, the, like one of the last days of November of that year. And then two weeks later, um, I was having trouble breathing and what I got was something called pneumonitis, which is a side of really gnarly side effect of the um, immunotherapy. And so I ended up in the hospital, ended up in a coma for three days, ended up in the hospital for a total of 26 days that first day. And so what happened for that experience was, first of all, um, I'd gotten into the hospital, my brother, my best friend, and my oldest daughter had flown out from Connecticut. And then the next day, my, old, my other two daughters were flying. And the doctors came in that Sunday morning. They're like, hey, we have to intubate you. We need to induce you into a coma. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? And um, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, first of all, I was like, you know, you sure you have to? Like, we have to. I'm like, well, you got to wait like six hours until my kids get here off their flights. 
And the guy's like, no, we got to do it like in the next 15 minutes. So there's actually a video on my Facebook that like, I guess it went viral. It had like, you know, you know, like 13,000 views, you know, and um, was shared like hundreds of times. And it was basically a video basically saying, because I didn't know if I was going to see my kids again. It was that yeah. serious. You know, they didn't know if I would wake up. But one of the things I talked about was having faith over fear. That I, Like, I wasn't afraid to die. I didn't want to die. But um, because of sobriety and because of, you know, having spiritual fitness, I was able to really lean into the fact that, um, you know, I kind of have to surrender to this, you know. At the same time, surrender, but I also can be real positive attitude about it. I can have humor with it, um, a little dark humor probably. But, uh, you know, what happened was, though, the biggest thing is my AA community out in California, because I forgot to mention, right when I went to California, I like dove into the community out there where I live. There was an Alano club, which they call it out there. I don't know if they have them where, you know, on the East Coast as much, but it's just an AA club. And um, it was awesome because it was like literally around the corner of my house. And I also was living with like three sober guys as well. So I make that friends pretty quickly. You know, I kind of dive in and um, the AA community out there, like the nurses, I, mean, I didn't know anybody out there when I moved there. The nurses were like, they'd never seen anything like it. The people that came in and out of my room was absolutely amazing. People were coming in and doing meetings in there. You know, and again, I was in a coma for three days. When I woke up, you know, my kids were there and a bunch of my AA people were there. And it was like, you know, and they all took care of my family when my family was there, my brother and my daughters and, um, and stuff. So like that AA community, the way they rally around you and support you no matter what, it's incredible. So um yeah i was in the hospital for 26 days i got out for like two weeks and uh, my daughter and my granddaughters were visiting and i um all of a sudden got a high fever and i became uh, a sepsis is what it's oh, called sepsis yeah. oh, gosh, whatever yeah. i forget mm-hmm. what it is but i almost died again i had a blood infection and then i was in the hospital for 11 days um my word you know in the whole time you know i was just trying to get you know they also said i was gonna be on oxygen for the rest of my life and i'm telling you right now like i would have done back in the day I would have done anything to like you know use drugs or drink or to like to numb all of this pain you know not just physically but mentally emotionally spiritually Mm -hmm. but instead I leaned into my recovery and used that as a support to help me get through all of this um you know then COVID happened and then um, I got surgery in June of this past year and um they took out the the tumors and stuff and I was on a low-grade well, not really low grade, but a, a chemo pills for a year. And I've been off those since January. And like I said, I'm, I'm cancer free. So it's, it's just a miracle. It really that is. is. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah that and sobriety, I wouldn't be here without sobriety. That's why I'm, I'm yeah. just trying to say like, yeah. when you're sober and you're working on your spiritual fitness on a daily basis and you're getting support from people, then there's nothing that you can't get through. You yeah. know, I mean, it's, it's proven over time and time again. Yeah. I would have used any excuse on a daily basis, just like, you know find a reason to use drugs or drink alcohol or whatever and now i have all the reason in the world to do it because i'm going through this and i don't and it's only you know by god's grace and uh, being sober that's awesome wow yeah. you you have an amazing story and so today you're doing a lot of great stuff and and mm. i'd love to hear about what what you've done um what you're going to be doing just yeah more about like the the benefits of of staying stopped in long-term sobriety and, and how life yeah. truly so is today, better when you put down the drink. It's um, first of all, you know, I, um, 
I made amends to my three daughters mm. before I went to California. You know, I mean, I was a year into sobriety and I hadn't, they, they saw that I was living amends and I had good relationships, amazing relationships with them growing up. Mm. But I definitely like, I mean, my middle daughter, I was so close to, you know, found, you know, cocaine and, and stuff like that, that I, that I had and, you know, was using and selling. And mm. um, I, I did some horrible things, you know, mm. um, that I'm not proud of, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to hide from that you know, talking to you right now. So, um, you know, just the relationships that deteriorated. So uh, when I, I remember my oldest daughter, I was like, yeah, I want to meet, you know, I want to sit with you girls and, you know, you know, doing a match, I got to meet with y'all, you know? And George, my oldest daughter was like, well, not, not, not together, dad. And I'm like, yeah, no, of course not, not together, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> has was, she been doing Al-Anon? <laughs> I know, right? I mean, you know, she's the toughest on me, you know? But um, so I sat with each of them individually. And when I did that, you know, I didn't like come back with like, what about this that I did for you? Or all the times I was there for you and all of these things. That had nothing to do with it. You know, I needed to allow them the experience of, you know, letting them know the things things that I know that I did wrong to them individually. Mm. Um, obviously, there were some common overlays between them all, but there were yeah. some specific things with each child that I needed to address. Yeah. So, um, so what happened was I um, you know, sat with each and every one of them. And, you know, uh, my, my youngest is like happy-go-lucky like me. And she was like, Dad, I just love you. You know, everything's fine, you know. But it was good to get it out. My oldest, you know, I also asked you know, if, if I'm missing anything, let me know. And also, how do you want the relationship to move forward? Let me know. So my oldest, you know, I did miss a couple of things that she told me. And my, and my middle one also, same thing. My middle one was like, you know, I missed a couple of things. And also, Dad, I love you. But for my own emotional well-being, I need to, you know, have some space. So that was really difficult. And I felt like I was like, you know, when I moved to California, like I didn't call her because she asked me that. And then when I got sick, obviously, you know, she's also in the medical field. So she would call me and she's more like, kind of like um, professional about it, you know? But of course, when I woke up, she was the one that had brought like healing crystals and photos of her and her sisters when they were little kids with me and they're all over the hospital room, you know? It's like, I know, I'm gonna get choked up about it. But, um, you know, so the relationship, that's the biggest thing, the relationship with my children, which is the most important thing in my life that has improved, has improved drastically. Um, you know, making amends to other people and um, letting them know what I've done wrong and not like making any excuses for it has helped me improve relationships. I That's love that. And I just want to, I just want yeah. to, to, if you don't mind, just to, no. because I work, I work with a lot of people um, in this program and, and work with people who are getting sober later in life and their kids are older and, and you're, evidence that getting sober for good later in life when your kids are older you've you have a solid relationship with your daughters today yeah for sure um, despite the fact that you you know staying stopped to, to, past 50 years old yeah. i just want to like i wanted to say that again to give people hope and i'm yeah. there are people i know for sure who are in a place of oh gosh is it too late is it too late for me you know, um, to have a relationship with my children. It's never, ever too late to get sober yeah. and to make them, to make things right with your children. Sure. Um, yeah. So I just, I think and that's it, wonderful. I'm so happy for you. And that thank you. It's a beautiful, thank you. And I beautiful. think the best way to do that is when you come clean completely 
and don't try to make excuses or you know try to say the good things that you did you know fine you did good things but that's not what they need to hear they need to hear that you are willing to accept all of the bad things that you did and when you're vulnerable like that and when you're open and honest like that you know that goes a long long way you know yeah um, our kids know when we're bullshitting right <laughs> yeah. oh my god my kids yeah for sure um so those things those are important um you know, I'm in a very healthy relationship now with somebody who is, it's the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Um, it's beautiful. Um, I may have shared it with you before. It's a long story, but um, so I won't really get into it too much, but it's just a reconnection that I made when I was sick from a childhood, you know, girlfriend. So um, just so many great things, you know, um, and then right now what I'm focused on, you know, because it's been quite a year of like just getting healthy for cancer and staying sober and things. Um, I'm focused on writing a survivor's memoir called Stingray. And uh, yeah, so it's called Stingray, um, Cancer, uh, Coincidences and COVID. Although there are no coincidences, but that's part of it. But um, yeah, so it's a book about my year of cancer, but it really dives into um, a lot of the recovery stuff as well. So I'm working really hard on that to get it out, um, you know, within a year or so. Um, and then, you know, I'm doing some coaching, life coaching, superhero coaching, helping other people um, with what their dreams are and helping their dreams realize. And, um, you know, just like, I'm so blessed. And I, I look at every single day as such a gift, you know? It was one thing to be sober and know that I've come through that. And then go through the cancer, know that I've survived, you know, hepatitis C, know that I've, you know, been dealing with hemophilia my whole life. All of these things has created so much resilience and resiliency in me. And in some ways, that's a blessing and a curse, because I was always like, you know, myself, well, I can do so much, you know, I've got this willpower. But once, but what, what where the real gifts are is when you really kind of surrender to it all, and then align your will with that of your higher power, at least for me. Um, so yeah, I'm just, uh, stepping into um yeah I look at it like hey i'm 55 years old now right and uh some days i'm like wow what happened to all those years you know uh but i look at it like this the, the best the third chapter of my life can be the best chapter of my life and um you know i still feel like a kid inside sometimes you know um my body you know i've been a physical guy my whole life you know as a martial artist since i was five years old you know, I owned a karate school. I've been doing it forever. And, you know, so movement and everything has been such a big thing. And then getting cancer and going through the stuff I have, it slowed me down a little bit. But I'm back to doing MMA right now. You know, even at my age, I'm like getting back into it. And, uh, you know, so physically, spiritually, emotionally, and, um, you know, um, mentally, I kind of look at like the four pillars of power. And I talk about that in my coaching, like the spiritual pillar, mental pillar, emotional pillar, and physical pillar. And everything we do on a daily basis is either increasing our power or decreasing our power in one of those four pillars. So on a daily basis, I just want to get healthier and healthier, you know? But it all starts with the spiritual and it all starts with being sober. Like I have to make that my priority. And, you know, it's such a cliche, but you know, if I don't put that first, I'll lose everything else behind it. So um, yeah, so I'm, I'm blessed, you know, I'm blessed. I'm going to start a podcast too, superhero conversations or superhero revolution. So, you know, um, talking to other cancer warriors like myself and other uh, superheroes, uh, sober superheroes like myself. So, 
yeah. That's amazing. Get, you have a I'm lot. Have to get you on. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Like, we have so much time on our hands now that we're not drinking and then dealing with hangovers, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. It's I mean, that's awesome. incredible. Your story is amazing. And it's just, Thank I'd you. love to hear, I love to hear about um, the benefits of um, yeah. sobriety, staying stopped yeah. and sobriety and what people are doing. Like, and, and it takes some time, you know, like for some of us, we need time to really focus on our, ourselves exclusively to heal, to, to get, sure. you know, especially those with like significant trauma or, mm. or mental health issues that need to really be addressed. But once we get like our, our shit together, yeah. like, and, and we're committed to sobriety and growing along spiritual lines, like we have so much fucking time yes you know and sure. it's like yes. and that's the freedom of sobriety you know and then like the power that you know people think we lose when we like stop drinking no we get no, more you power it. you gain it yeah you gain so you much gain power it, yeah sure. and that's the thing too it's like you talked about growing it's like just get in the direction of growing right and then all kinds of things kind of um you know the universe kind of you know a, kind of is attracted to that and just good things start to happen because of it. And, um, you know, you know, no matter how far down you feel you've fallen, you know, you can always get back up, you know, I mean, I've been in lots of ruts and, you know, usually I'm asking for a shovel or a backhoe to dig deeper, but usually there's people with their hand out and I just like didn't accept it, you know, you know, each moment is different for each individual, but, um, you know, it may be someone listening to this or, whatever it might be like, you know, the time can be right now. You don't have to wait, you know? So. I love that. I love that. I was going to ask you like, what, what message would you give somebody who's, who's contemplating, who's sober curious, you know, or, or kind of yeah. on and off the wagon? <clears throat> I would say um, the, the, probably the most important thing to know or to, to remember is that, you might feel like things are so bad that you just have no idea how to get out of it. Or you might even think that, you know, well, things aren't that bad, you know? So I can maybe try to do this on my own kind of thing. And that's okay. You know, everybody has to have their own journey, but I can tell you when you ask for help and when you're vulnerable and when you're honest, that's when the magic happens, you know, and the miracles occur. When you tell somebody the truth, you know, when you just come to the, when you come to the table, you're so afraid of telling the truth of who you truly are. You've been hiding for so long. Or you've been denying it for the people that love you. And let me tell you something, the people that love you, they know what's happening. So when you come to them and you tell them, you know what? Yeah, you're right. This is exactly what I've been doing with my life. And I am, and I need help. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm asking you for help. You know, when you do that, when you're vulnerable, when you're honest, I'm telling you, people will, people will, you know, they're, they're going to offer their support, you know? I mean, maybe some people are going to be walking in when other people are walking out. That's okay. You know, because those people that are walking out, that, that's not who they, those aren't the people that are going to be in your life down the road anyway, you know? The people that really truly care. And I've got my oldest friends have always been walking in when everybody else is walking out. And then my AA friends, they're always there for me too. So you'll be amazed um, at the life. I mean, I've had an amazing, crazy life i've had so many life experiences you know in sobriety out of sobriety and i can tell you this that um i am at my best by far and more present um when i'm when i'm sober you know it's just uh, i do my my writing gets done um i'm physically fit um spiritually feeling better so just know that no matter how far down you are or even if you're not 
down far, but you think you might need some help, just ask for the help and you'll be amazed at how many great things happen. Right. That That's amazing. That, that was just perfectly explained and awesome. I love it so much. Um, yeah. This has been an amazing conversation. Yes. Before we close, I'm just yes. so curious and I wonder if the listeners are cu curious too, because you said you, you dabbled in acting. Yes. Ever watching TV, where would I <laughs> suddenly see Mike um, across the screen? <laughs> so I'll give one example, but it's, it's, it's really cheesy, but um, I've, also been, I've also been on like a dating show and stuff, but, um, but mostly theater and stuff like that some tv commercials some like real like blink and you miss me small part in um, movies okay. but um the one kind of funny crazy thing i did was a uh, something on the um id id network called uh um, i married a mobster so i played the mobster in one of the in like 30 it's 30 minutes of me so if anybody wants to look it up it's, it's on youtube it's i married a mobster season one episode 10 I Married a Mobster season one, episode 10. And um, that's me. And you'll get a kick out of it. It's really kind of cheesy. I'll give you, want me to give you a line from it? Yeah, I love it, yeah. 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 So on, basically what it is, it's interviewing a real mob wife. And then she talks about how she met her mob husband. Then they have the whole reenactment. So I play the mobster. Okay. <laughs> so I'll give you one line. Okay, okay. I hear you got a project on the West End. Now we're in. You got a problem with that. You're out. <laughs> All <laughs> right. <it>. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's Academy ridiculous. Award. <laughs> yeah, big time, big time. No, it's but yeah, fun mostly, though. Mostly theater stuff. So, and listen, before we leave, I just want yeah. to acknowledge you for um, being of service and putting the word out to the world um, that recovery is possible, to have gratitude. And, uh, you know, um, the kind of work that you do is so important. And, um, you know, and I know you have a family and you've got your own challenges and things like that. So, <laughs> I know. And being able to do that and to be able to like give so much um, and, you know, you get so much love and stuff. So, you know, I've never physically met you, but I love you and I appreciate you. Oh, I love you too. And I love that you said that because you know what I, I said, I've heard this a couple of times, but, and I have said it is that if, if, if I, if there are reasons to if people, if people, what has it go? If I can hate for no reason, then I can love for no reason. Absolutely. So I choose to love for no reason. But I mean, my love, like I love everyone in sobriety. I, like I, I just, I have, yeah, I'm, I'm a love kind of person. I believe and I, if yes. you, you can't fill your, you can't, you know, if you fill your heart with love, there's no room for hate, number one. And just mm -hmm. like I'm a graduate gang leader and happiness mm -hmm. activist, I'm also the leader of the love evolution. So just join the love evolution. Ah, oh, the love evolution. <laughs> that's right. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I saw that on one of your like IG. Yeah. I'm so love Join the love evolution. It's, it's all it like about hash, love. Hashtag love evolution. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Good that's stuff. awesome. Well, yeah. good luck to you with your book, your Stingray book. That sounds really, yeah. really compelling. And, Thank and you, you also, I just want to make a plug that you are in a book called The Great Pause, Blessing and from COVID-19, you write a yes. chapter in that book. Is that yes, correct? Yes, yes, yeah. It's a pretty powerful chapter. Um, it's chapter three of the book. Um, and uh, yeah, pick it up. It's on okay. Amazon. And where can my listeners find you? Uh, I would probably say the best place right now. I mean, I do have a, it's um, michaelroberteck.com, but it's kind of in process. So I would say um, michaelroberteck on Instagram. Okay. And what I'll do is I'll just, you know, when we, yeah. when we, post all your info. Awesome. I'll That'd put that in there. So, but thank you so much. Thank you. Don't, don't um, stop. Don't hang up yet. I'm just going to stop okay. the recording.
But no, it's been such a pleasure to have you on yes, the show. Finally. Yes. Yeah, so it's so great. You have a great story. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it. Thank you.